You're listening to the Cathedral Podcast. To learn more about Cathedral, like service times or how to get connected with a small group, visit wearecathedral.com. Well, good morning, Cathedral. How are we doing today? Doing well? Well, can we really quickly, we need to honor the reason we're all here. Can we give it up for the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords? Come on, if he's been good to you, if he saved you, set you free, Jesus, we bless your name today. And such an honor to be here with you. Like Pastor Luke said, I'm Luke. Again, great name, just wonderful. Now, my name's Luke DiBenedetto, and it's such a privilege to be here uh, with you. Uh, I don't know you personally. Um, But I've had the privilege of getting to know some of your leaders, some of your pastors at dinner last night, uh, Pastors Dave and Luke and uh, Megan and Macy and just some of the team. And I don't have to know you personally to know that there's greatness here in this room. Because when God wants to do something great, he sends great leaders. When God wanted to free the Israelites, he sent Moses When he wanted to keep them in accordance with his commandments, he raised up Joshua and commissioned him. So I don't know you personally, but I've had the privilege of just seeing into the lives and the heartbeat of your pastors and your leaders. And Jesus would say, well, a prophet is without honor in his own hometown. So it's easy to come to a place like this and not acknowledge that this is special. This is a special house. This is a great house. The presence of God is welcomed here, and you have amazing leaders and pastors. Can we honor your pastors and leaders? Pastors Mike, God bless you all. Thank you for your faithfulness to this house, and uh, it's a privilege to be here. Y'all just, I'm like, I said, I I was joking with Pastor Dave. I said, I'm just going to get up there and dismiss them because we already had church today. I'm like, I'm fired up. Um. But yeah, my name's Luke. Uh, I have the privilege of leading uh, the Next Generation Ministries at Seven Hills Church. So we lead our children's ministry, our youth and young adults ministry. And uh, it's the greatest privilege. Hundreds and hundreds of young people gather every Wednesday and are just uh, going after God. Whoever says this generation is lost, they don't know what they're talking about. Because I'm looking at all the, the next generation represented here at this house. And you're on fire for God. And uh, I I lead those ministries alongside my beautiful bride of almost five years. I think they got a picture. They'll throw it up there. Savannah, she is gorgeous. And that is baby Gio. Gio Samuel DiBenedetto, just a cool little kid. We had to give him a short name with a long last name. But um, he is the coolest kid ever. 15 months old, thinking he's 15 years old. And um, he's playing in corn there. Why, you ask? Why not, I ask. So... But he is the joy of our life, and uh, we're, we're so grateful. Uh, we, we lead alongside together. She is my better, far hotter half. And um, obligatory youth pastor hot wife joke. I have to do it. I hate it as much as you do. But I married well, so amen. And uh, my life was changed because of, of church. Obviously because of Jesus, but Jesus is not here anymore, right? He left the church to be the hope of the world. And the church is the greatest institution on planet earth. I believe that with all my heart. It was the church that provided a place for me at 16 years old to, um, from a lifestyle far from God, addicted and lost, to find Jesus, to be welcomed in as I was, but to be challenged to not stay as I was. And it was through a youth ministry that my life was changed. And it's through coming forward to my youth pastor after service. And 
I understand why Jesus says you need to have faith like a child because you kind of need to believe anything, right? You tell a kid the moon is, is made of ribs, they'll be like, really? And you're like, yeah, it is. So when God saved me and said I could have a better life, I was dumb enough to believe him and take him at his word. And everything in my life is because of Jesus and because of the church. So I want to honor my senior pastor, Pastor Marcus Meekum, for allowing me the privilege to be here with you. Um, I don't take this lightly because the church is a beautiful place. This is special, isn't this, to gather in the name of Jesus. And I love that your church is so focused on the next generation. It fires me up. So I want to commend you all being here, high schoolers, young people, parents, grandparents, for getting your young people here. Make sure your young people stay in the house of God. Make sure that, well, they don't want to. Well, they're busy. Yeah, well, the devil's going to vie for their attention any way that he can. So you make God's house a priority, and I, and I thank you and honor you for making God's house a priority. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Romans. We'll get there in a moment. I'd love to help you find some encouragement today. I believe every person is walking around life with a big old stamp on their forehead that says, I need encouragement. I need encouragement. And I'd love to help you find some hope and some encouragement today briefly as we look at God's word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the gift of your word. I thank you, Lord, for the gift of your Holy Spirit, the presence of God living and dwelling with us. Speak today. Might it not be my words, but your words through me. Might we all leave here changed as a result of the power found only in you and your word. In the mighty name of Jesus, all God's people said, amen. Amen. Romans chapter 4 and verse 13. Let's read some scripture. Clearly, God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was based not on his obedience to God's law, but on a right relationship with God that comes by faith. Somebody say faith. Faith. This is going to be fun. We're going to have some church today. I like this. Let's jump down to verse 16. So the promise is received by faith. Someone say faith. faith. It's given as a free gift, and we're all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses. If we have faith, someone say faith, like Abraham's. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. That's what the scripture means when God told him, I've made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. How many of y'all are grateful God still brings dead things back to life and creates new things out of nothing? Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you'll have. And Abraham's faith, someone say faith, Faith. did not weaken. Even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. At age 100, I would think so. Verse 20, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith, y'all are so smart, grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit too. All throughout scripture, you can read about God's promises. You can read cover to cover and find promises like he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Promises that he's our healer, that God will heal us. By his stripes, we're healed. Promises that he'll be our rock, our refuge, our fortress of shelter that we can run to. You can read promises that he's our helper, he's our comforter, he's our strength, 
promises that he goes before us and that his goodness and his mercy follow us all the days of our lives. You can read cover to cover. Whatever hopeless situation you're up against, whatever miracle or breakthrough you're in need of, I'm here to tell you there is a promise attached to whatever you have need of. I'd love to help you find that promise and get and obtain that promise. See, there is a path I've found from where you currently are to where that promise that you're seeking is received. There's a path from where you are to where that promise is, and I'd love to help you keep walking on the path to the promise. There is a path you can take. I'd love to tell you a couple stories as we get into the word today. A number of years ago, Al Capone owned virtually all of Chicago. Capone wasn't known for anything great or outstanding. In fact, he was known for his illegal activity in bootlegging, prostitution, and running an organized crime group for murder. Al Capone had a lawyer who he nicknamed Easy Eddie. Easy Eddie was his lawyer because he could get Capone out of most any sticky situation that he found himself in. To show his appreciation for his lawyer, Capone lavished Easy Eddie with every luxury imaginable. He bought him nice cars and watches and jewelry and clothes. He even gave Easy Eddie his own mansion that took up an entire block in Chicago. Easy Eddie lived the high life. He gave little thought to the evil that went on all around him, the atrocities. However, he did have one soft spot in his heart, and it was for his son, whom he loved completely. And he ensured that his son had everything he ever needed in life. But despite his involvement in crime, he he still wanted to provide good things for his son. He wanted to try and teach his son the difference between right and wrong. But he realized there was two things he'd never be able to pass on to his son that would be a good name and a good example. So because of this, he decided to try and right all of his wrongs. And Easy Eddie went to law enforcement to tell the truth about Al Capone and all his doings in some hope to try and clear his name and give his son some semblance of integrity. In order to do this, he would have to testify against Al Scarface Capone in open court, and it would most likely cost him his life. He testifies, and sure enough, within a year, Easy Eddie's life would end in a blaze of gunfire on the wintry streets of Chicago. When police would show up to the scene, they would pull from his pocket a poem that he had clipped from a newspaper. And this is what the poem had read. The clock of life is wound but once. No man has the power to tell just when the hands will stop at late or early hour. Now is the only time you own. So live, love, toil with a will, with a purpose. Place no faith in time, for the clock may soon be still. One more story I want to tell you. I promise I'm going somewhere with this. Y'all with me? Say, "Uh uh-huh. World War II created many different heroes. And one such hero was a man by the name of Lieutenant Butch O'Hare. He was a fighter pilot. And one day, Lieutenant O'Hare takes off with his squadron to engage on a mission. Shortly into this mission, he looks down at his fuel gauge and realizes that he doesn't have enough fuel to complete the journey and return back to the naval carrier. So he alerts his commanding officer that he's going to have to break formation and return to the carrier. As he does that, he sees something that would turn his blood cold. 
He's on his own. And he sees an entire squadron of Japanese fighter planes on their way to intercept the naval carrier. Lieutenant O'Hare doesn't have enough time to return back to his squadron to get help. And he doesn't have enough time to intercept and make it back to the carrier first. All he can do is without giving any regard to his own life, begins to engage the enemy aircraft one by one. Outnumbered, completely outmanned, no regard for his own life, engages the enemy planes. Swoops in and begins to, with guns blazing, take on the aircraft. He's able to shoot one down. He's evading bullets left and right. He's taken some damage, but he's able to take down another plane and another and another. And after much attempts, he's able to shoot down five enemy aircraft. At this point, the frustrated enemy squadron breaks formation and returns from where they came. Lieutenant O'Hare's fighter plane limps back to the carrier and lands. And it would be a camera mounted on the wing that would capture the entire heroic events that took place. And because of his actions, because he had destroyed five enemy aircraft in his heroism... He became the Navy's first ace of World War II and the first naval aviator to win the Congressional Medal of Honor, saving countless lives. A year later, at 29, Butch would be killed in combat. His hometown would not allow his memory to fade, and today the O'Hare Airport in Chicago stands as a memorial to his bravery. So what do these two stories have in common? Why go through the trouble of telling them? Well... Lieutenant Butch O'Hare is Easy Eddie's son. The decisions of one man and the kind of legacy he would leave with his life would impact countless other lives, generations to come. See, you and I are all faced with a very similar choice. What kind of life do you want to live? What kind of choices do you want to make? What kind of legacy do you want to leave here on this earth? See, we all have a time where this earth will pass away for us. And thank goodness our hope's not in this world, but eternity, in heaven. But on this earth, you and I will have a headstone. On that headstone will be three prominent figures. The day you're born, the day you pass, and the dash in between those two dates. That dash represents your life. What will your life stand for? What will people remember of you? What will your legacy be? See, the scripture, the scripture we read in Romans is the promise that Abraham receives from God, that his descendants would outnumber the stars in the sky. Abraham's just praying for a son, but God gives him the promise that his actions, how he chooses to live, will impact generations to come. The problem is they're about 100 years old without kids. Look, I don't know if y'all know how kids come to be. Young people, ask your parents. But at 100, it's looking a little illogical. It's, it's seeming a little far-fetched. But the Bible tells us that by faith, Abraham believed. By faith, Abraham received the answer the miracle, the breakthrough. See, there is a path that you and I can follow that leads to not just what we're asking for, but exceedingly abundantly more than you could ever ask, think, or imagine. 
Those are the promises of God, not just our will, but his will. There is a path that you can receive all that God has for you, and the path to that promise is called faith. I'd love to encourage somebody to just keep walking. Turn to your neighbor, say, just keep walking. Turn to choice number two, say, you too. Now acknowledge that they were your second choice, and you made that awkward for them. I didn't. You did that. (laughs) All my second choices, say amen. (laughs) The path to the promise is faith. Well, Hebrews 11.1 tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You can't see it. You can't maybe put sense to it. But think about it like this. The chair you're sitting in right now, it has a manufacturer, a designer, probably people who sat in a room who had a meeting to discuss what that chair would look like, what would go into it, how it would be made, and what purpose it would serve. You've never met those people. You don't know who they are. You don't know their names. But you can look at the intelligent design of that chair and know that there has to be purpose behind it. Well, if we can acknowledge that about a chair, surely we can look at our own lives and know that there is a creator who's made you for purpose and on a purpose, and the same creator who formed you, who made you, though you can't see him, him is alive and working in your life. Faith is the evidence of things that we can't see, and the path to the promise many times is a path you and I can't logically reason. It's something that we can't see more than one step at a time, and that's what faith looks like. It's the encouragement to just keep walking. You don't know what lies 10 steps ahead of you, I've heard it said like this. An old preacher told me that God's not ordered our leaps. He's ordered our steps. We want to know what's way ahead, but so often our curiosity or doubt of what's way ahead prevents us from taking a step for what's right ahead. We have to take steps. Your walk with God matters. What we can learn about God is that he walks with us because he's a relational God. He's not far off in the distance. He wants to walk with you. He wants relationship with you. He wants to walk with you more than just on Sundays. Come on, fuel. He wants to walk with you more than just on Wednesdays. He wants to walk with you daily, daily. Daniel would pray morning, noon, and night. Daily he walked with God. Isaiah 40 verse 31 tells us those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They'll soar high on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not grow faint. That's a, that scripture will preach. Oh, we love that. We're soaring high on wings like eagles. There's nothing you can't do. We love those seasons of life, don't we? Where it's just everything's going great. Like my marriage is great. The kids are great. My, I got more money than I know what to do with. It's not all the time, but you know. We love those seasons where it's just soaring. We love the seasons where we're running with the vision that God has for us, where it just feels like you're running. I'm training for a marathon right now, and if you've ever seen marathons, there's people all along the sidelines like, whoa, like, whoa. They're like giving you like water and Gatorades. Like, keep going. We love when people are running. Isn't it crazy how nobody cheers when you walk, though? Nobody's like, you walked here today. Good job. 
Well, maybe, maybe here at Cathedral, because y'all greeters are insane, and they cheered for you when you walked in the doors. But other than that, for the most part, people aren't cheering when you walk. No, 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 because we love the seasons in life where everything's going great, and we're soaring high on wings, and when we're running. But oh, how we despise the walk. We think the walk doesn't matter. We think the walk is, is kind of blah. But I've learned before you can ever soar high and before you can ever run, you got to learn to develop your walk. Just keep walking. Your walk with God matters. Your walk with him daily matters. What happens throughout the week? Do you walk with God? Do you walk with God? Do you rely on church to just get you that soaring high feeling? Oh, I feel great. And then you rely on that spiritual high every Wednesday, every Sunday? Or do you walk with him on Monday? Do you walk with him on Tuesday, on Wednesday? Because what happens throughout the week is your walk with God. And I want to encourage somebody to just keep walking. Like I said, I want to help you stay on that path to the promise. And we don't get to that promise by soaring high or by running. We get to that path and we get to that promise by walking. And I want to help you stay on that path to the promise, that path called faith. There's three paths I want to talk to you about, and the first two go hand in hand. First path is the path you follow. The second path is the path you don't follow. There's only two paths presented in life. It's quite simple. Two ways to go out life, two choices. Proverbs 16, 25, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. There's a way that seems right feels right logically yeah that's probably the right path but its end is the way of death I've watched so many people go down the path of self-interest or even not just self-interest or self-gratification but the path of plan b's just in case all that god stuff doesn't work out I'm gonna have this plan b ready let's preach a little bit Tithing doesn't seem right. It got quiet. I'm going to preach it. I can say it because I'm not the pastor. But look, tithing doesn't seem right. How, is, how am I able to accomplish more with 90% than I am with 100%? You and I can't reason it, but what do we know? God said it. It's in his word. It's true. And when you honor him with that 10th, which is his to begin with. It's all his to begin with. When you honor him, he opens up the floodgates of heaven over your life. You think you can do a lot with 90%? I left 10% a while ago and I'm trying to give more and more. It doesn't seem right, but can I tell you there's a way that seems right. Its end is the end of death. That's its way. I watch young people get into trouble all the time because they follow their feelings based on a relationship that feels right. Can I preach to the young people for a second? <laughs> I've watched so many people get into a wrong relationship. Oh, but she, she's just awesome, and she's like the one. You guys have been together for two weeks. <laughs> she's just cute, okay, but she's going to age poorly. So just listen to me. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding, kind of. <laughs> it seems right. It seems right. It seems right, but its end is the way of death. 
And maybe not physical death, which is why a lot of people read that verse and think, I'm living okay, I'm not dying. No, maybe not physical death, but you know how it could be the death of dreams in your life? It could be the death of the relationship God wanted for you. It could be the death of the friendships God could bring into your life. It could be the death of that generosity God wants to open up in your life. But we're following the way that seems right. There's a way that seems right. Its end is the way of death, but there is another path in life. John, John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way. Notice, singular, the truth and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. You're at a fork in the road. You have a couple of choices. One is the way that seems right. And the other way is simple as this. Following this book. Following what God says. Taking him at his word. And that leads to the promise, the breakthrough, the answer, the miracle in your life. But before you can ever fly or run, you have to learn and develop your walk. It's important you walk with God. Famous evangelist Smith Wigglesworth said many, many years ago, I never pray for more than 30 minutes at a time, but I never go more than 30 minutes without praying. Do you walk with God? Prayer, by definition, it's, it's an awareness of God in everything that we're doing. It's, it's in the car on the way to work. God, be with, give me wisdom. Give me discernment today, Lord. I just need your touch on my life. It's getting home from work. God, give me the peace. I know I've got stress, but give me the peace that passes all understanding so I can be present with my family. It's praying for your spouse. It's praying for your kids. It's asking God for wisdom in your life, favor and protection over your life. It's an awareness of God throughout your day. It's reading this book daily. I've heard it said like this. A lot of people have a prayer life, but most people have a broken prayer life. Miss a few days. Miss a few days reading. Miss a few days here. But we're to walk with God daily. Give me this day my daily bread. You can't rely on your walk with God from yesterday. You can't rely on church from last week. It's important you're in this house. It's important you're in this word. It's important that you have a prayer life. Abraham had to choose what path he was going to follow. He was well aware of his situation. I think we can read this and we forget that these are just real people in the Bible. I love that God still just works with real people. Because Abraham's in a hopeless situation. A hundred years old and still battling infertility. A hundred years. Think of how many decades prayers would have been prayed that seemed unanswered. How many decades? You've been praying for five years. He prayed for more than 50. That God would come through for his family. That God would hear him. And he felt alone and isolated. It's in this place at a hundred that God says, you're going to have a kid. And you're not just going to have the kid that you've been praying for. You're going to have generations. So you're, you're, they're going to outnumber the stars in the sky, the grains of sand on the earth. What? We're to just believe that? I think we, we might read that story and think we're Abraham. No, we're like Sarah. We laugh. We think, <laughs> okay, God, sure. Now let's get back to the practical nature of how you're going to actually do this because I'm hurting right now because this doesn't make sense right now. I showed you the picture of my family before, but not long after getting married, we were told by doctors it's going to be very, very difficult or impossible for us to ever have children. And when you're first married, that's not what you expect to hear. Like, I'm in ministry. I work for 
you, God. Everything I, is, is for you. How, why would this happen? How could this happen? It's a hopeless situation. And you watch those around you who you love and friends, and you're happy for them, but they're getting pregnant. And they're having babies, and they're having kids, and you think, God, that's great for them, but it sounds horrible. What about me? Have you forgotten about me? And as hopeless as that felt, I think about Abraham, how many years he faced that. It's it's a hopeless place. Faith is a place you can't see it, where you have no motivation, where you're believing for that lost child to finally come to know Jesus. And you've prayed for years. You're believing for that marriage where you just go home and it just seems so opposite. You feel like you don't even know the person that you married. You're believing that God would just touch you and heal you. And it's been years and you've got the doctor's report and you've got what everybody's saying. You've been praying for the right person to come along in your life. You're just, you feel so alone and you just need friends around you. You feel so lost, a lack of purpose. And you've been asking God to just give you a vision of what your life could look like. You're, you're, you're so just dependent on affirmation from others because you feel so so empty on the inside. It's a hopeless place. And in this place is where we find Abraham, a hopeless situation. And that which you cannot see has to become your motivation. That which you can't see, what you can't logically figure out, that's what becomes Abraham's motivation. It's in this place that faith kicks in. See, faith is belief, belief that God is able. Belief requires conviction that says, I'm going to change some things in my life. And with conviction comes action. What does James tell us? That faith without works is dead. A lot of times we say, God, just change everything in my life for me. Make it all different. God, bless me financially, but I'm not going to honor you with what's yours in the tithe. God, give me all the right friendships and relationships. But nobody ever talks to me in church. (laughs) When we do that, we come to church, arms crossed. What does Proverbs say? He who desires friends must see himself be friendly. God, change, give, give me friends. Talk to the young people. God, send me the right person in my life. Stop dating toxic people. How about that? Stop getting advice from single people. Single people, stop giving dating advice. Just, you want a prophetic word? Shh, there it is. <laughs> you, you, know, you know what I do in my life? I tell my young people this too. If you're single, and, and by, but what, what single means not married. So even dating. Find somebody who is married, who has the kind of life, who has the kind of family, marriage that you want to have and do what they say. What did Paul say? Imitate me as I imitate Christ. But there's going to have to be some changes in our own life. What? Changes in our walk. Changes in our walk, on our daily walk. What does James also say in 5 verse 16? The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man. How we walk matters. How we live matters. It makes your prayer life effective. The final path I want to talk to you about, and we'll get there in just a moment, 
because there's the path you follow. But I'm going to invite the team up. It's the path you follow and the path you don't follow. But ultimately, it seems like such a long place to get to where you currently are, to get to where you want to be. Like that promise. It just seems such a far off place in the distance. Such a long time away from you ever receiving that promise. And I want to tell you that God doesn't just answer the prayers that you're praying He's the God of abundance, more than you could ever ask, think, or imagine. So he's working things together that you're not even aware of at the moment. You know, like I said, I'm training for a marathon in May. And if you're like me and you think about running, uh, I used to hate running. Anybody else? It's horrible. When I run, especially when I first started training, I'd be running and I would look at... I don't know, like a little mailbox or a fire hydrant, and I'd be running. I'd say, you know, my fastest mile at this point is like 15 minutes, so it's slow. And I'm running. I'm like, when I get to that little fire hydrant, I'm going to take a break. So I'm just running, 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 running. And I'd look up, and it got further away. And I'm like, ha, Jesus, help me. But it would take me forever. I'd run to the end of my neighborhood and back. It's a few miles, and... I, I run every morning, and then I'll go to work, and then when I get home from work, uh, Savannah and I go on a walk together. And this is why the walk matters, because it's our time together. We, we have a rule, no phones, phones go away, and we just talk. We catch each other up on our day. And many times it can just feel, I'm tired, I'm stressed, I'm overwhelmed, and I think, I don't really have much energy to give at this point. I'm exhausted. I'm tired, I'm stressed, I'm thinking about all the problems I got going on. And I'll sometimes I just have to take a second in my car and pray, like, God, just help me get over this. I can be present. Like, they deserve me at my best. So I, I, I get out and I walk, and it just feels kind of robotic and cold, if I'm just being honest sometimes, because you're just walking, and we'll push the stroller, we'll take baby G, and we're just walking, and it's just kind of bland conversation. How was your day? Cool. What'd you do? Oh, you went to Starbucks? Fun. How much did you buy online? Good Lord, okay. <laughs> I was pushing the stroller. I had, I had lunch today. It's a good, good, good day. I mean, that's kind of how our walk with Jesus looks like sometimes, huh? We just show up and we're walking with him, and we choose the path to follow him. And it doesn't seem right, and it actually kind of seems, maybe if we could just be honest and drop the masks in church for a second, you kind of feel like a fake Christian sometimes. Because yeah, I, don't, I don't feel it. I'm in church, I'm raising my hands, and I don't feel it. I'm reading the Bible, and I don't feel it. You're praying, and I don't feel it. Just, hey, God, I'm showing up. I'm here. I really don't know what to talk about, God. Me again, praying for the same thing that I prayed about every day. But I'll keep showing up. And the enemy would love to tell you that that time doesn't matter. And that maybe you're a hypocrite for that time. And it couldn't be further from the truth. Because you're showing up. You made it to church. You opened up that book. And you're walking with God. And the craziest thing will start to happen is, is when Savannah and I are on our walks, 
that conversation that started so robotic and cold and bland begins to take a turn. And we start to ask each other questions about our day and conversations that we had. And we'll begin to talk about our youth ministry. And we begin to talk about students. And we begin to talk about the church and where we see it going and ideas that we have. And, oh, my gosh, Gio did this cool new thing today. He started talking back and saying no. And it's crazy, but it's so funny. And, and, and we're, we're talking about him. We're like, oh, I'm so excited for when he's older. Can you imagine when he's in the youth ministry? What do you think he's going to do? And then, oh, my gosh, I'm so excited. And we talk about the next 10 years of our life, and we're just talking. And we have the best conversations, and we're laughing and talking and joking. And the craziest thing will happen, I'll look up and realize that we're at the end of our neighborhood. And I'm like, how did we get here? This, we were just talking. We were just having fun. We were just so focused on each other that we paid no attention to how significant each step we were taking actually was. And I came here to, I came here to tell you, all the way from Cincinnati here to Charleston, to tell you that your walk matters. Your steps matter. God has ordered your steps. And when you walk with him, every day you open up this book, every day you show up in church, every day you raise those hands when you've got no reason to, every day you show up and you pray and you thank God, every day you serve your spouse, every day you model the way for your children, every single day you walk with God, I'm here to tell you, when you keep walking, you will be amazed at when you look up and realize that you're standing in the very promise that you'd been dreaming of. You'll be standing in the promise that you thought so unattainable and you'll ask the same question, how did I get here? And it's because you were faithful in your walk. Just keep walking. Keep walking. Keep walking. Your walk matters because there's another path I want to talk to you about and it's the path you leave behind. See, when you walk, people follow. When you walk, people follow. The Bible says that when God counted Abraham righteous, it wasn't just for his benefit. It was recorded for our benefit too. Why? Abraham thought, if God could just give me a boy, give me a child. No, 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 no. God looked at that and said yes to that prayer, but you don't realize that your actions are going to change generations. What did Easy Eddie know about his, he just wanted to change his son's life. He didn't know that his actions would change generations. I'm here to tell you today, grandparent, parent, young person, teenager, I'm here to tell you, your actions will change generations. You will change lives. You're on social media, right? Well, they're called followers because they're following you. Where are you leading them? Where are you leading them? Where are you leading your family? Where are you leading your friends? Because you've got people that are looking to you. Abraham paved the way for future generations. He paved the way for us. What was the path that he showed for us? This was his path. The path to follow was that you and I are to hope even when you don't see it. You don't see it. You're in a hopeless situation. You've got no, nothing in sight that would give you some glimpse of hope. Hope anyway. You're to believe even when you don't feel it. I was so touched this morning during worship and I'm looking around and you're worshiping and going after God. 
And I, and I couldn't help but think, and I think the Lord put this on my heart, how many people are raising their hands when you don't even feel like it? That's courage. That's courage. Showing up when you got no reason to. We think we're supposed to feel it all the time. We're supposed to just feel warm and fuzzy. God's not called us to walk by feelings, but walk by faith. Believe when you don't feel it. And endure even when you want to quit. Endure when you want to quit. It's not a profound word today. Somebody much better than me could have preached it. But I'm here to tell you to keep on walking. Keep on, keep on walking. Hope when you don't see it. Believe when you don't feel it. Endure. Oh, endure, endure. Stay planted in church. You know the average length of a youth pastor in America as of last year is nine months? Nine months before either leaving that church or moral failure. Nine months. We've got a staying problem in church. My life was changed because I just wouldn't leave. I came to an altar at 16 years old. I said, what do I need to do, Pastor Matt? was my youth pastor. He said, gave me a few pieces of advice. He said, be at church every chance you can get. Read your Bible and tithe. And I said, I don't know what tithing is, but sign me up. <laughs> and I did it. And I showed up the next day. I was the best chair stacker you've ever seen. You've never seen a row of chairs more straight and organized in your life. Maybe these ones. These look good. What did I do? I, I came from a life of addiction. I had to leave all my friends behind. My friends thought I was crazy. I watched my follower count drop. I didn't care because God saved me. And I felt hope in my life. I had no reason to keep showing up at church, but I did. I showed up. What is that? Taking a step? All my friends left me. And you know what I gained? The best friendships I've ever seen. I had to choose what path I was going to follow. I kept showing up and kept serving, kept serving at church. What ended up happening? There was an internship opportunity to go to a ministry school at my church. I said, sign me up. I don't know what that is, but I'll do it and I'll serve whatever I can do. Stepping, walking, not grand, not shiny, serving. And they're like, Luke, we want you to take the youth ministry. Oh, sure, whatever, whatever you need, however I can serve, whatever I can do, just keep walking. Stay faithful. Stay faithful. I had no reason to keep showing up. My family was going through hell. People I loved were losing battles to mental illness. Family members struggling with addiction. I had no reason to keep showing up. God, whatever you want to do. Day after our honeymoon, pastor says, you're going to take over our college ministry. I said, done. A few months later, we'd be given a diagnosis that we're not going to be able to have kids. God, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm going to keep walking. I'm going to keep walking. I'm going to keep serving. I'm going to keep showing up. Devil doesn't get my attention. God, you alone get my attention. You alone get my focus. I'm going to keep walking. I'm going to keep trusting. I don't feel it. I've got no reason to see it. I want to quit. I want to give up, but I'm still here. God, would you give me endurance? God, would you give me strength? Lord, help me in my unbelief and give me hope. Hope doesn't put us to shame. I am who I am today because I just kept walking. I'm nobody special. I'm somebody who took God at his word, and I'm here to encourage you to do the same. Keep on walking. Walking. Hope when you don't see it. Believe when you don't feel it. Endure even when you have every reason to quit. Don't you give up on God because he's not given up on you.
If you could please stand to your feet across this room. I'd love to end our time together. And I said I want to encourage you. I want to pray for you. And maybe you're here and you're facing a hopeless situation. You're facing just problems in your marriage, problems with your kids, problems at school. My heart goes out to this generation because I think you have some of the greatest opposition I've ever seen. It's different even when I was in high school. You're up against a very real enemy, and now more than ever, you're going to have every reason to not be bold about your faith and stand up for Jesus. If you don't stand for him, you'll fall for anything. So you need to stand up for Jesus. But young people, you need this church. You need your youth pastors. You need your pastors. And can I tell you, church, you need them. You need them. But when God wants to change this generation, he raises up somebody from this generation. He raises up the Joshua's and the Caleb's, but we still need the Moses's to cover. So this church, this place, we need each other. My life was changed because of a local church like this. Your lives, you're here because you've been touched by this place. I'm here to encourage you, don't quit. Whatever you're facing in life, if you're facing a diagnosis, if you're facing hurt or loss, I don't know what hopeless situation you're up against. If you're facing a hopeless situation, you say, Luke, I need encouragement. Raise your hands towards heaven right now. Say, Luke, I need encouragement. Go around this room. You're not alone. You're not alone. Father, in Jesus' name, by the power of your son, by the power of Jesus, I speak strength now. Let strength rise up. Let hope rise up. Let endurance rise up, God. Your grace is sufficient for us, God. Give us wisdom in our lives that we might choose the path that leads to you. Lord, like your disciples would pray, we believe, but help us in our unbelief. Help us in the hopeless situations. God, even right now, just give a glimpse. Give a glimpse of that promise. Lord, your word is true. It's settled in heaven, and it's true now. It's living and breathing, God. We ask you, Lord, that we would put our total dependency on you, not in what we see around us, but that our focus would be on you and you alone, God. We're committing now to keep walking. We're committing now to keep walking, not just for our sake, God, but for the sake of generations to follow us, for the sake of our grandchildren, our children, our friends that are following us, those still in the community that are looking towards us. God, would you use us as the light in the darkness? Use this church as the city set on a hill that when people look to this church, they'll see you and they'll follow you to light life and life more abundant. So now, God, confidence is rising up. Where we were walking in downcast, we're walking out with passion and a newfound boldness for you. A confidence to walk this life with you, to fight the good fight of faith. And now, God, we declare with all of our being that we trust in you and you alone. You're the only one who'll never fail us. You'll never forsake us. You'll never leave us. Your goodness and your mercy follow us and your presence is with us. God, we put our trust in you. Oh, come on, let this be your declaration. Let this be your declaration that as you leave here today, 
God, I trust in you. I'm following you. Come on, sing. I sought the Lord. When you seek him, when you seek him, he answers. When you seek him in the hopeless place, when you seek him in the place of doubt, when you seek him in the place when you want to give up and when you want to quit, he'll meet you and he'll answer you. That's why we trust you, Jesus. Come on, sing that out. You've been listening to the Cathedral Podcast. If you were encouraged by today's message, leave us a rating and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any questions about today's message or just want to reach out, send an email to questions at cathedralemail.com. Thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Have a blessed week.